0: This morning's scripture reading will be coming from 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26. That's page uh, 1020 in the Pew Bible. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup and after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. We're encouraged to hear the great news that last weekend in the mighty Amazon River, Nick Fowler baptized uh, Mr. and Ms. Gomez, and he And, and Amy and the church there had been walking spiritually with this couple since September and just a lot of good influence, a lot of good study, and they are excited about becoming Christians. We also are excited about our camp that begins today. Uh, there'll be about 275 youth and adults at the camp, about 195 campers, and it is on mark to be a tremendous camp. We're thankful for each of our adults that give uh, a week's vacation and, and sacrifice, in a sense, a lot to be able to go and to be a spiritual influence. We're thankful that our young people want to be a part of such a week. We do pray. That they'll be safe. We pray that they have a lot of fun, but we pray that there'll be a lot of spiritual growth. It's interesting how many young people, as they're leaving high school, and you ask them what made a powerful spiritual impact on your life, so oftentimes one of the things that they mention is camp. And we see that year after year, and we're thankful uh, for that opportunity. That will begin today continue to pray for them also we're thankful that our summer faith series is off to such a great start uh, Brian did a great job last Wednesday night Doug Burleson will be here this coming Wednesday uh, Doug is a powerful speaker uh, he's a scholar and he is really pretty young to attach that label to but I don't do that lightly. He really is uh, a scholar in the brotherhood. And uh, yet he has the ability to present lessons uh, on a very basic level that, that we can grab. And so I want to encourage you to be here. You will be richly fed. I assure you, uh, no doubt about that. Also this morning, it, it just seems very appropriate. Uh, one of our sisters is in surgery right now. Uh, Tammy Purtle fell this weekend and they took her by ambulance to Centennial. Uh, she broke two different bones in her leg and uh, it's pretty severe and very, very painful. And so they're gonna do surgery this morning and uh, we want to be praying for her uh, over the next few days, uh, but let's pray for her right now. Let's bow. Our most gracious God we thank you for adopting us into your family and giving us a family beyond our physical family, giving us a, a beautiful and wonderful family as you being our father and so many good people around us as our brothers and sisters. Uh, God, we love the Purdles. We're thankful for Eric and Tammy and we're thankful for the many years that they've been a blessing and friends and a part of the family here. And God, we pray that you'll be with Tammy at this very moment. We pray that the surgery would be successful. We pray that she could have healing quickly. We pray that the recovery would be full and and that she'd be up and about soon. God, we know that ultimately you are the great physician. However you choose to work through all this, we pray that your will be done and we pray uh, that, that uh, our request is that there would be great success. God, we're also mindful of Adam Jackson that will have... A major surgery tomorrow in pittsburgh and god we pray that that surgery would accomplish great things we pray that it would accomplish even more than what is hoped we pray that the good that would come out of that surgery uh, would benefit him on this earth for many years to come we pray for his good family we pray that you give them peace today as they're already In Pittsburgh, uh, we pray that today would be a good day for them and that tomorrow would be a grand day. God, we're mindful of the Picklers and the Gravels that are on a mission trip to Nigeria. Uh, We're thankful for so many in this very room right now that give on a monthly basis to help children there. And we pray that the work that's being done on this mission trip would be of great help. God, we pray that camp would receive your greatest blessings we do pray for safety and we pray for a lot of enjoyment. And God, most of all, uh, we pray for great spiritual success. We're thankful for our young people. We're thankful for Philip and Laura and, and so many that, that work with our young people and will do so much this week. And we're thankful for the opportunities that you give us to have times like this in the life of our church family. God, we're thankful that Garnet Forkum is home safely now with uh, stents and recovering well. And we pray uh, in thanksgiving for your blessings in, in that procedure. And we pray that he too would have a continual and full recovery. Uh, God, there are so many others in our family that that uh, they need your prayers and that they do prayers to you and they need us to be mindful of them and they need your blessings. And God, we pray uh, for all of them. And right now, God, we pray that you'll clear our minds and that we can go into your word And we can learn everything that you want us to learn out of the scriptures that we read from your holy word. It's through your son's name we pray, amen. Covenants are beautiful. From the old covenant and even over into the new covenant, God was longing to have his own special people. I want you to hang on to that thought today. We'll touch on that some today, but we'll come back tonight And finish up some things from last Sunday morning's lesson about the covenant that God made with Israel to see how some of those principles apply even coming over into the new covenant. And you're gonna hear that again tonight, that what God was looking for was his own special people. You know, we began each lesson by giving some characteristics of covenant. Last week, we talked about content of covenant. But this morning, I wanna give you some characteristics that apply specifically when God makes a covenant. Number one, I'd like to remind you that humans can initiate covenants with each other, but humans don't get to initiate covenants with God. God's not a good buddy that lives next door. God's not just that friend that just seems like he can do everything just a little better than you can. Listen, God is almighty. God is our creator. He is the God of heaven and earth. No man makes a covenant with God and says, God, this is what I'll do and this is what you'll do. I don't even want to be standing next to you if you think that's what you can do with God because you are far off base if you're going to start telling God what to do. We make covenants with each other, but God initiates covenants with man. A second thing that I want you to see, and we've already mentioned this, but the Mosaic Covenant established a people as God's own special people. You remember last Sunday morning, we studied out of Exodus 19. We'll come back and review that tonight and, and move on even a little bit to the New Testament tonight just to try to kind of wrap all of this maybe a little tighter together of what we've studied the last few weeks. This third thing I would just want to throw out there for you to think about because I think it helps us to better understand covenants. The Jews wanted to translate the Bible from Hebrew to Greek because that's what some were speaking in that day and time. You know what they found out? They found out it was a little bit challenging to translate that Hebrew word over into a Greek word because they could have chosen one word, synthic, and that word would have pointed out that it's like a treaty It's like an oath, it's like a compact that you make, and that definitely is a part of a covenant, but that did not explain the fullness of when God makes a covenant with people. And so what they decided to use was the word dithik. Dithik is the word that points out, showing that it is initiated by the one making the covenant. In other words, that's the word that oftentimes we would use to talk about a last will and Testament. Who makes out the will? For example, if I ask you, who makes out your will? Like if I ask you, how many of you have your will? And and then say, okay, you, you've written a will. You've had a will made out. Who made out that will? You made it out. Now there are gonna be people blessed by your will if you have anything to leave. And, and, and so you... People will be blessed by your will, but notice, it's not the people telling you what you're going to do. It is you making the will, you're initiating it, and those blessings are pouring down from that will. That's the word that we see about 30 times in the New Testament that God chose to use, even in the New Covenant, to say, this is how I want you to see this relationship as a covenant people. If you will, turn to your Bibles, Jeremiah 31st chapter. We're going to study uh, for maybe the first third of our time, maybe the first half of our time here this morning in Jeremiah 31. I want you to notice verse 31 through 34. uh, That doesn't sound like many verses. It's not, but these verses are kind of long. So so for, for only four verses, it's a lengthy reading. But what we see here is the idea that the new covenant wasn't an afterthought. In other words, when you hold your Bible and you see have, or you see one part of it uh, is old covenant, and you see one part of it is new covenant. Is that a deal where like God just looks at it like a, a last year model's car and say, "Hey, it's just time for a new model car?" Or, or is it that you know something gets old and you say, "Hey, you know this really worked well at one time, but now it's not really working so well so Maybe we needed to just come up with something new. Listen, the old covenant had a purpose and and Galatians helps us see that one of the great purposes of the old covenant was to lead the people toward Jesus. When Jesus came, the plan all along was that that covenant would be fulfilled. It had fulfilled its purpose. It would be complete. It would be finished. And then there was going to be given a new covenant. And this new covenant would be paid for by the blood of Jesus. And it would be a way not just for Israel, but for all people to be invited into this covenant relationship, which would allow them to be what? God's special people. And so I just want you to see here, this was written hundreds and hundreds of years before the new covenant ever came into effect. But this was the plan all along. And so this is the plan and this is a prophetic mention of the plan. Look with me in the 31st verse of the 31st chapter of Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah not according to the covenant. Now he's going to make mention of that old covenant, which was the covenant they were under right then. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. That's what we studied last Sunday morning. My covenant, which they broke, we mentioned that last Sunday, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. And see, so he uses the word husband because you know why, right? That's covenant talk. We had three couples yesterday to get married. They entered into a covenant. And so, most of the time, when God uses language like marriage language about our relationship with Him, He's reminding us that we're in a covenant with Him. Let's read verse 33. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. So now he's back to talking about the new covenant, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. And now note this, I will be their God and they shall be my people. You see, that's what we've been emphasizing. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord. For they all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sins. I will remember no more. Now, when we back up a slide, I know I'm stating the obvious, but I just want to emphasize it quickly. This covenant that they were looking forward to, God calls it a new covenant. We didn't come up with that when we turn over in our Bible and we say, this morning, let's study out of the new covenant. We didn't come up with an idea and say, let's call these pages in the Bible, the new covenant. This is the covenant that God made with us. And God said, I'm going to give you a new covenant. Now on the next slide, notice there at the end of 33, he says, in a sense, he's saying, here's something similar about both of these covenants. We learned last week from Exodus, the 19th chapter, that the reason God made this covenant with Israel was because he wanted them to be his own special people. And now he gives prophecy about the new covenant that is to come and the same result. He says, I'm gonna give you this new covenant because I want you to be my own special people. Now that's the same old covenant and new covenant. God, what do you want out of this old covenant? I want them to be my special people. God, with this new covenant, what do you want? I want them to be my own special people. We may elaborate on that part a little bit more tonight, but but just in case you're not here, I hope you're back tonight and we'll study together. But if not, just grasp this. What God means by my own special people is when you have something that's special, the idea is it's of great worth, it's of great value, and you want to protect it. And God is saying, I want you to be my people that come into this covenant relationship with me and I want to love you and I want to protect you. Enemies may hurt you. Spiritual enemies may hurt you. I want to protect you. I want to guide you. Remember, we've made a lot of emphasis last few weeks about a covenant is about the future. In a sense, he's saying, I want you to be my special people because I'm taking my special people on a mission. We're going from earth to eternal life. All of this is wrapped up in this beautiful phrase, my special people. I can't read your mind. I don't know if you hear God saying, I want you to be my special people and it warms your heart and you say, that's one of the most beautiful things I've heard. I hope that's the way you understand this because that's what it is. To be able to have the almighty God to look down and say, I want you to be my own special people. That's huge. But now notice this. God says, God says, I do that through covenant. I ask Israel to be my special people, but it was through covenant. I'm asking you under the new covenant to be my own special people, but I do it through covenant. And if we're not willing to enter into this covenant arrangement with God, we can throw out the vain and empty words. Oh, but I love God. I love God. You want to prove you love God? Enter into the relationship with him based on his covenant. He sets out the guidelines. Take off your proud shoes, put on a whole self of humility and say, God, I surrender myself to you. I will come to you. What covenant relationship do you require of me? I humbly come to you. That's beautiful. We're going to read... On this next screen the same passages I just wanted to illustrate to you we talked about some things that were the same in that his own special people but I want you to notice in this passage he brings out two things that are very different about the new covenant versus that old covenant that God made with Israel the first we're going to highlight is there in verse 33 And you notice that he says, this is the covenant that I will make. So now he's back to talking about this new covenant. And he says, I will put my law, now notice where he's gonna put it, in their minds and write it on their hearts. Now you remember where the covenant that God made with Moses or Moses was the mediator. He made it with Israel, but Moses delivered it. Do you remember where it was written when Moses delivered it? It It's written on two tablets of stone. Hey, Israel, God wrote this. This is what God wrote. Here it is on stone. This is the covenant that he's making with us. And God says, now let me tell you about this new covenant. This new covenant isn't written on tablets of stone. This new covenant is gonna be written upon the mind and the heart's of those who become a part of this covenant. Now, let that last part sink in. We can read about this covenant on pages, but if you want to become a part of the covenant people, this covenant has to move from being ink on pages, and it has to become a part of our life, and notice, it has to become a part of our life from inside out. God says, the first thing I want you to transform is your mind. I want you to transform your heart. What's your deepest desire? I want it to be that you want to be covenant people with me. What's your mind? What's guiding your life? I want to be my covenant. I want that to be what's guiding your life. Second Corinthians, the third chapter, is very significant to understanding and appreciating this that is where paul talks with them and 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 uses very same language to say this covenant is not this new one's not going to be written on tablets of stone it is going to be written in the heart and just a very important i say a side note because it's not right here in this text i don't mean a side note as if it's not important but just an addition to this would you get into the new covenant and the new covenant speaks about the new covenant being written in our hearts you're always going to see, most of the time, most of the time, you're going to see a connection with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Second Corinthians three emphasizes that is going to write this upon our hearts. And and at the end of that chapter, he talks about us looking into a mirror. We're looking in the covenant, and we're seeing Christ. It's Christ's covenant. We're seeing Him, and we're being transformed from glory. The glory of Christ to us, we're supposed to be looking more like Christ all the time. You remember in Romans, the 12th chapter and verse two, be not conformed to this world, be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. You see, you can be religious. You can say, well, God, I tell you what I'm willing to do. I don't really want to go all in in a relationship with you like truthfully, God, I just don't trust you enough. I mean, like if I gave myself completely to you, I don't know what that would do to my family. I'm afraid it might create like, like a stiff, strict family that I don't like. I just don't trust you, God. So I tell you what, I won't go all in in this covenant, but I tell you what I'll do. I'll go to church on Sunday and, and I will give and I'll try, God, I'll try to give generously. So I'll show up at church, I'll try. And I'll tell you what, God, I will really try not to curse so much at work now. God, is that good? Are we good? And God says, no. I'm not looking for someone that's willing to keep this covenant relationship with me all external. If you're in a covenant relationship with God, it's because the first thing that changed about you was a transformation from within. This covenant was preached in Acts, the second chapter. And the emphasis was upon Jesus Christ being the Savior. And those that wanted to be saved were told, repent. That is a change from inside out. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See how all that works together? But notice, it's how to begin with repentance. If we're not willing to change our mind and our heart, we can't be in a covenant relationship with Christ. I want you to notice a second thing that, that is different here. At the end of verse thirty. For he says, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sins. I will remember no more. So it begins on the inside, the heart and the mind. And what the Lord does for us in this covenant is that he takes away the guilt of our sins. You see, under the old covenant, the wrath of God was appeased against sin on the basis of the offerings of lambs and bulls and goats. For example, the atonement, day of atonement was once a year. And so that lamb would would be offered and that was to make atonement for sin for that year. To make atonement, to be right with God. And you know what happened when 365 days went by? It was time to offer that again. But notice this, this new covenant, we're going to have the forgiveness of sin. And he says, I'll remember your sin no more. That's absolutely amazing. That is a marvel. When you think about the covenant that God is willing to make with you, I want you to think about that. Those two things very quickly, almost from a different angle. Number one, God says, if you want to come in covenant relationship with me, I can truly change you. That's pretty awesome because it's hard to change a person. As a matter of fact, we can't change each other. But who can change us? God can transform us. From our heart and our mind first, God can transform us. But also, God can redeem us. When we are warped and lost in the mires of sin, God will forgive us. The Hebrew writer, all throughout the book of Hebrews, talks about the the superiority of the new covenant and that even compared to the old covenant. Look with me at Hebrews, the ninth chapter. Hebrews, the ninth chapter, verse 11 through 15. Notice how he says it here. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle. Remember, men made the first earthly tabernacle, but Christ is gonna come and and his tabernacle is not gonna be made with hands. That is not of this creation. Look at verse 12. Not with the blood of goats and of calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place. How often? Once a year? No. Once for all, having obtained what? What? eternal redemption. His redemption wasn't good for just one year. Hey, be baptized in Christ, have the remission of sins, and then come back and do it again in a year. The blood of bulls and goats couldn't get close to comparing what the blood of Jesus Christ. One is any animal still had spot and blemishes. And yet Jesus Christ was an offering that came with no spot and no blemish. And we're talking about the blood of animals versus not just the blood of man, but the blood of God incarnated and so it is amazing to think that the sacrifice that was made for our sins and notice how he says this as we continue in 12 when he says Uh, at the end of 12 by saying eternal redemption. But now look at 13. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit, see how it's linked with the Holy Spirit, offered himself without spot. See, he was a perfect sacrifice to God cleanse your conscience. Hang on to that thought. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. What did he cleanse? Notice it's the inward man. Your conscience. How can God cleanse your conscience? You can't even enter into a covenant relationship with God unless you're willing to cleanse your conscience. Unless you're willing to have that transformation of mind and heart. And then notice this covenant relationship is about living so we're serving the living God and so it's a daily life where from inside out we're serving God and so now we continue in 15 and for this reason he is the mediator remember Moses was the mediator of the old covenant Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death, he had to die in order to bring this covenant because it's like a will or a testament and it's his. And you remember a will or a testament doesn't become effective until the one that wrote the will dies. And so if this is Christ's will, his testament, he had to die for it to be in effect. And so he's the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now think about what he says right there. He's dying on the cross right here. And we very commonly look forward and say, here we are 2000 years later almost. And the blood of Christ is cleansing us of our sins. That's true. But do you realize what he's saying here also is just as the blood flows forward, cleansing of our sins, the blood also flows back, cleansing us of our sins. And so these individuals that were offering the blood of bulls and goats, and that was appeasing the wrath of God. In other words, they were forgiven, if you will, for that year. But the blood of bulls and goats could not forgive even those people of the past for, are you ready for this biblical term? Eternal redemption. Eternal redemption could only come through Jesus. And so all of their sins in a sense was looking forward from an eternal perspective. And it was looking forward for Jesus as he died on the cross, that perfect sacrifice giving us the opportunity to be in a covenant relationship with, with him, it took care of past sins just as it gives us that invitation and opportunity into the future. Now with that in mind, I'd like for you to notice, let's go back to the scripture reading this morning and just make a couple of points and, and the lesson is yours. And you know, when we're talking about some a topic as, as beautiful and as broad as the new covenant, We've only touched on a few things. There are so many other aspects of the covenant that are beautiful and need to be talked about, but time doesn't allow. But here's what I want you to think about as we just start moving this toward a close. Lord's Supper, you just participated in just a few moments ago, perhaps. What does it mean? Why do you do it? If I were to say to you, it's a celebration of something, what would you say it's a celebration of? Perhaps quickly we would say it's a celebration of the life and the death of Jesus. Somebody else would add, oh, but it's also a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. It is. But do you realize that there's also another significant celebration or at least aspect of the celebration that's a part of this according to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11, there was a lot being done wrong as they were partaking the Lord's Supper. And so he writes this paragraph that we're about to read as a corrective response to say, if you've been doing it wrong, and they had been, he says, let me tell you how to do it right. Here's how to partake of my supper correctly. And begin reading, if you will, in the 23rd verse of, verse of chapter 11. For I received from the Lord, this Paul saying, he received this teaching from the Lord, that which also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was portrayed, so it's right before his crucifixion, he took bread and when he'd given thanks, He broke it and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Celebrate me. Celebrate that I have been an offering. In the past, there have been bulls and lambs and goats. Look how much more I am. My body was broken My body was a sacrifice, an offering. Just his body, in a sense, is a great celebration to think about incarnation, God in flesh, but then to think about God in flesh being offered for me. Do this in remembrance of me. But he says, whoa, whoa, we're not done. There's another part of the Lord's Supper, and he picks up a cup, and look in 25. In the same manner... He also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant. Let that sink in. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This cup that he was holding up was holding, holding, containing fruit of the vine, but that fruit of the vine was symbolic of his blood. He's holding up the cup and saying, this is my covenant. What's in your covenant? He's saying, it's blood. It's blood that's allowing you to go into a covenant relationship with me. You can be my special people. It's blood, you can have remission of sins. You can have eternal redemption. Another passage would say eternal inheritance, but it's only, It's only by the blood that was shed. This covenant is a blood. Jesus Christ, God in flesh, blood shed covenant. This do in remembrance of me. When Matthew would tell about this very same night, in Matthew, the 26th chapter, he would record Jesus saying that, this is my blood of the new covenant, which shed for many for the remission of sins. Hear how that's similar to the prophecy, Jeremiah 31, 31 and following. And then when Mark recorded this, he said in Mark 14 and 24, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. It's going to be the new Israel. It's not gonna be the Israel that, that they, they are only a part of Israel by natural birth. See, if you're born into it, remember what we read while I go in Jeremiah 31, if you're born into it, you're told from the time you're a little bitty, you're covenant people. And so you grow up knowing I'm covenant people, but then when you get a little bit older, you have to say, hey, uh, what, what's this covenant about? And so now the idea, what he said in the 31st chapter there, is he says, now when you become a part of the covenant people of the new covenant, you don't have to ask what this is about. Why? Because you're not born by natural birth into this covenant, you have to learn who Jesus is and you have to surrender your life, transforming your heart and your mind to come to him before you can ever enter into the covenant. If you're a guest here this morning, this would be a good time perhaps to just quickly explain. A a regular thought in the guest minds is this, when that's being passed, should I partake of it? Sometimes people wonder, should little children partake of this? No one should partake of this supper. We're not gonna go around and monitor. We're not gonna go around and slap hands. But if you wanna know what this is about, no one should partake of this covenant unless they are in a covenant relationship with the Lord. They have wholly surrendered themselves to him. They know who he is. They believe who he is. And they've listened to him say, repent, change yourself, turn away from sin, change your mind, change your heart, surrender yourself fully to me. Be baptized. What's the covenant about? Remission of sins? Be baptized to wash those sins away. Get up and live this week as covenant people and come back together next Sunday morning and everybody reverently gather around this table for a time and an observation that only covenant people observe. There are over 7 billion people on this earth today. But God has a supper that only his people come together to observe. It's beautiful. He says, this is about my covenant. This is about my covenant people coming together. Let's be in fellowship with each other. And Luke makes this very personal in 22 and 20 when he says this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you, It's for every one of us. What I learned today, number one, I learned that God initiates the covenants with us. We don't initiate them with him. Let's be humble. Number two, I learned God wants to transform me from inside out. Number three, I learned that Christ's blood is an eternal and powerful cleansing agent, nothing like it. Number four, I learned that God longs for us to be his special people. He shed his blood for you. And this morning, we're gonna close this time of our service with a song that it is a song where as covenant people We're gonna sing together and encourage anyone here that's not a part of the covenant with Christ to come to Christ. Are you a believer that's willing to repent and transform your life by your will to surrender and for the power of the Holy Spirit to change you as you surrender to God and his covenant? Are you ready to be baptized into Christ for the mission of your sins? Maybe you've begun that covenant relationship and you've not fulfilled. You're part of the covenant and you want to repent, confess sin, and pray forgiveness. But let's sing together to encourage each other. And if you need to be in God's covenant, this is a wonderful opportunity. Come as we stand, as we sing.